The first question she was asked was basically this sort of outpouring of sympathy. Is this sort of a, a genuine reaction to suffering or is it sort of a manufactured reaction from the mainstream media? I think there's a little bit of both. Um, there is that tendency to look at it and be very cynical. And when you when you think about it, a lot of people I've spoken to online and offline have said they weren't aware of what happened in Beirut until people started saying, well, what about this? And they weren't aware of what happened in Baghdad until people were saying, you know, what about this? So they hadn't actually heard. But on the other hand, um, you know, you find the news, you seek it out. I'm someone who probably pays a lot more attention to what's going on in the Middle East, in areas like Pakistan and such, um, interest, personal reasons, but also to have an idea of what is actually happening in the world. So I've constantly been aware that there are people who are being attacked, who are being killed. And for me, Paris is one of a string of attacks, but the attention it's getting is disproportionate compared to you know, other countries that have faced similar or even worse issues. Marzia, what impact do you think the Paris attacks will have in terms of the climate of Islamophobia and ordinary people's attitudes towards Muslims? In many ways, there are positive signs. The Scanlon Institute, for instance, recently uh, released findings that found that an overwhelming majority of Australians uh, support uh, Muslim migration to this country. And yet, on the other hand, in Europe in particular, we've seen some horrifying developments with uh, asylum hostels and camps uh, subject to arson attack. The Polish government has come out and said that they won't accept any more Syrian refugees because they harbour terrorists. So contradictory impulses. The, the German people are, are, by and large, very welcoming to uh, largely Muslim Syrian refugees, um, and yet, you know, on the other hand, seeing assaults against Muslim people on the streets, including in in Australia. I mean, I, I suppose just to tease that out, it, you know, how do you how do you feel as as a Muslim and as individual, and 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 your general conclusions about this this climate of Islamophobia? There's definitely been a change of late. I mean, it's been going on for a while, but. You know, okay, just as an example, yesterday I went to the shopping centre, as I normally do, to buy groceries. And I walked past a coffee shop and everyone went silent and started staring at me, which is really bizarre because, you know, you don't really have that happen on a normal basis. And you kind of feel this undercurrent of hostility or suspicion when you're out and about. Um, I find it quite difficult to quell my own anxiety about potentially being the target of an attack, whether it's a very blatant um, physical attack or, you know, more covert things that are said. Um, Also, I've been the target of a lot of cyberbullying. And um, that's been quite intense because the kind of messages you get, people, when they're behind a keyboard and they've got this screen in front of them, they don't know you in real life. They're more emboldened to say pretty nasty things. so I think it's there is that undercurrent that is getting stronger and stronger and getting worse. And while it's heartening to see that there are people who do support not just Muslims, but pretty much any group that needs support, it's also disheartening to see that there's this climate where people can be attacked, like the woman who was pushed into a train or, you know, there's a mosque that was set on fire in Canada. Indeed, and it's uh, incredibly distressing to think that 
Uh, as Alex mentioned, the uh, immigration centre in Calais was set on fire only 11 hours after the uh, the Paris attacks. Uh, many of those people, particularly Syrian refugees, would be fleeing ISIS. And it's often forgotten that, of course, uh, ISIS has uh, murdered and uh, oppressed more Muslims than any other group of people whatsoever. Do you fear th- that uh, there'll be, I mean, we have the United Patriots Front here in Australia, a far-right neo-Nazi organisation, and also Reclaim Australia, and they have rallies coming up next weekend, What I'm uh, this weekend, sorry, what I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But do you, do you fear that the level of consciousness in Australia isn't at a point where people can discern between, say, Syrian refugees, uh, you know, everyday Muslims and, and ISIS, and you fear that there may be, uh, you know, more of these attacks in Australia? Uh, yeah, sadly, I think so, because, you know, there's nothing visible that differentiates between one or the other. And to a lot of people, being visibly Muslim is a sign that, you know, you somehow sympathise with ISIS, even if you know, the truth couldn't be further from that. And it is really complex to say to someone that, you know, don't hate me because I'm not one of them, but you can hate them. And it, it gets really complicated. And I try to explain to people that, for example, you know, my own religious background means that if I lived in one of those countries, you know, I'd probably be one of the biggest targets for ISIS as well, just purely because of my own religious background. And not everyone realizes what you just said that ISIS has killed more Muslims than any other group. So it's unfortunate. What I can hope is that it doesn't get to that level of violence that, you know, you find people afraid to leave their own houses, which is something I've heard from a lot of friends overseas that they are in that state where they don't trust necessarily, you know, leaving their own houses to go to places that they don't you know, going to the mosque, for example, they're worried that if the mosque's attacked and they're inside, how will they escape? So they are. there's a big current of worry. Marcia, yeah, I mean, without necessarily going to the details of, you know, your own personal background, but I'd, I'd like your comments on this whole question of cultural integration versus assimilationism. I mean, one of the particular qualities in France is that there's a very unashamed uh, call from the French state, uh, the French cultural establishment, if you like, that, you know, Muslim migrants, Algerian migrants, people from the Maghreb, you know, must assimilate, even when they're, they're people who are third and fourth generation French who are actually well integrated in society. There's this sense in which um, people from a, of the Muslim faith from a North African background, uh, they're French, but they're not really French. Uh, and there were reports coming out that uh, several of the attackers um, were actually French-born, uh, Alger- Algerian descent. I mean, I suppose if I could get your comments on that, that profound sense of alienation, which I'm sure young Muslims feel in Australia as well, where uh, at one level they're superficially made to feel welcome in this country, but really, there's an underlying sense that no, you're not really a true Australian. You know, you're you're the guest of the the Anglo Christians um, who kind of control society. Um, with the Algerian Muslims, they are treated as second class citizens, and in a lot of the media that's gone on around Paris, where they're talking about um, this is the worst massacre in um, what a hundred years or such. Um, they're forgetting that there was actually a worse massacre of Algerian French Muslims, and that, and you know, bodies were thrown into the river at that point. So there's this tendency to not put that much value on 
the lives of those others um, as they would be on the lives of what you might say are the majority um, French. And here there's probably less overt racism about that. Um, there is that you know idea of, yes, you're welcome here, but you need to have our values. And indeed, even the citizenship test has, you know, a section on Australian values. And, you know, reading that myself when I was reading for the citizenship test, I was interested to know, well, what are these Australian values? Because it gets thrown around a lot. Um, to me, Australian values would harken back to the Aboriginal people and looking at concepts of community, for example. But that's my personal interpretation of how I interact. Um, but when people say, you know, everyone must speak English. So, you know, Kim Vuga, for example, when she's got her love it or leave party that's come out and saying everything must be done in English because it's the um, language of the land you're in. And I was thinking, well, hang on. No, actually, the traditional languages are not English. So a bit of discrepancy there. But there is that sort of sense that people want you to assimilate um, or, you know, when they say you speak really good English for someone who's foreign, I was just like, well, I grew up bilingual. <laughs> Marzia, it feels to me like quite frightening times, really. I don't think it's too alarmist to say that you could compare the situation in France with the state of emergency. Some of the comments, the French uh, president, I believe, said that their fight will be merciless. Uh, you know, there is a lot of uh, strict conditions being placed on people's movement. There's potential for people to be detained on the streets, and uh, you know it's, it's, it's becoming quite a, um, a quite a frightening situation. And of course, uh, as Alex mentioned before, you know countries such as uh, Poland are restricting access and uh, you know limiting the number of uh, Syrian refugees altogether. How does it feel being in Australia, measuring the the climate within the, the I guess the Muslim community here, even just amongst your friends and families? A family. Does it feel like it is, you know, quite an extreme situation that there is this potential that, particularly of groups such as Reclaim Australia and the United Patriots Front, for genuine fascist movements to to sort of rise in Australia and for things to get a hell of a lot worse very soon? And the rhetoric put out by the government doesn't really help because there's that idea of, you know, if you're a dual national, then if you're suspected of terrorism offences and what does that mean? And it talks this massive list of, you know, if you're found to send money to terrorist groups, but, you know, I've got family in Pakistan and I'm sending them money and anyone could say, oh, well, you know, that could find its way to a terrorist group. I don't know, I'm sending money to my grandmother, you know. So there's that tendency to label anyone um, guilty until proven Australian, you know, and... It is it is frightening, and you know the what the French president said. They've already had airstrikes in, um, I think it's Raqqa, where you know the retaliation's already happening, and you're finding this kind of rhetoric that's we're hearing internationally being echoed here. Now, if you go to you know pages for Reclaim Australia and United Patriots Front, it's actually really disturbing to see the level of vitriol they've got. And the very obvious, I'd, I'd say they're just, they're very threatening. You know, there's death threats, there's threats to burn down mosques, there's threats that, you know, if you see a Muslim woman, you know, pull her scarf off her head, um, you know, um, 
I remember one threat, and this is before the Paris attacks happened, but it stuck with me because it was such a violent sort of idea was that someone was saying how do we get rid of all the muslims and this is on the reclaim australia page and someone else answered you know i'll do it for the cost of a nine millimeter bullet and it's pretty obvious what they mean to say by that so the fact that that was before paris and now it's amped up it's times 10 it's really really alarming it's pretty obvious where such people get their inspiration from as well, uh, Bush and Howard and Blair and all the, all the, all the other warmongers have uh, you know, torn the Middle East asunder over the last uh, 15 years. Um, just finally, uh, Marzia, there is uh, this gathering of Reclaim Australia and the United Patriots Front uh, this Sunday at Solidarity Park. Um, what are your comments on that in terms of the, the importance of people coming down? And I guess... Um, you know, there's a particular question here over the, the tremendous and, and legitimate fear uh, of, of Muslim people in terms of you know, bunkering down, if you're hunkering down, if you like, in terms of uh, keeping their heads down and, and staying, you know, literally staying, staying indoors. I mean, um, I mean, speaking personally, it would be wonderful to see thousands of young Muslims out in the streets to, to, to beat these racists back. I mean, what, what are your comments on that and I guess the importance of, of people coming down to this um, counter demonstration against the, the racists and Nazis this Sunday? Um, no one likes to be a target. And the reality is that the fewer, I guess, visible Muslims that are there, the more likely they are to be targeted. That's actually one of the key things I think about. Um, it's it's important that we actually show that united front, that even though Reclaim and United the United Patriots front are going to be standing there and, you know, extolling the virtues of their fascism, we can't let them win. We can't let them be the dominant voice. Right now, they're a very, very, very vocal minority. And it's it's just not acceptable to simply sit quietly. That said, I can understand that it's difficult for some people to come out. You know, um, I would definitely be scared to, but I think that it's really, really important to be there, to show that presence, to show that uh, fascism isn't welcome here, and to also say, and to empower those communities. I think that's one of the biggest things is that in the face of all of this, a lot of people have been feeling disempowered. So being out there and being able to face down those people would definitely have a sense of empowerment.